Chapter 6 Retaliation Sometimes Faye whispered about the family curse that affected Gwen's family. He'd never had any idea what they meant as a child, and his father had dismissed it, saying that people mistook the ability to get what one wanted using whatever means possible as madness. It was true that Gwen's entire family were prone to fits of terrifying violence and cruelty, and it was certainly true that, at a certain point, that cruelty tended to stabilize as a permanent character trait. His mother, father, cousin Ethnician, Ethnician's parents, they had never been cursed, they were not insane, they were simply damaging, cruel people. What other Faye called the family curse was, to Gwen, something he didn't quite understand. Not until he'd gotten older, had seen battle. Not until his center had changed to triumph that first time, turning him harder, making him more like his father in mannerisms and action. He didn't want to be cruel. Yet there was a darkness inside of him, a breadth of cruelty that crept upon him. The harder he became, while forcing himself to serve the kingdom, the more it sprawled out of him. He could feel it, a pulsing, thumping beast that hungered. He'd spent what felt like his whole life trying to avoid it, only to find that he'd come full circle. It pressed into his mind, sat thick and heavy in the back of his throat. August had compared him to his father, had said he was more like his father than Ethnician. It was one thing to be called cruel or heartless. He'd heard that from people in the past. It was quite another to hear a direct comparison and realize that perhaps it was apt. It struck at the heart of him, left him dazed for days after his last encounter with August. He knew what kind of person Lead was, knew better than most what his family were truly like, what hid beneath the facades and glamours they presented to the Seely Court. August knew it, too. August could make an unflinching comparison, and it be true. He didn't want to be like his father. All this time, he'd been telling himself that distancing himself from August, treating him cruelly, attacking him, it was necessary. It was the sort of thing anyone would do to keep a prisoner like that under control. He knew that fey kings and queens had done it in the past. There were records and scrolls and ledgers detailing a vast array of how to break dangerous prisoners. And all this time, he was doing the sort of thing his father might do. His cousin. It turned his stomach, left him out of sorts. He avoided August. He avoided a great deal except the work of his kingdom. But once he'd admitted to himself that he didn't want to be someone like his father, he knew that he had no reason to keep seeing August if he didn't want to subjugate him any more, didn't want to harm him. And that was a problem. He still wanted to see August. Two weeks later, Gwen was sinking hours per day into sword training, into wrestling and fighting, into advising generals and different species of fae and how to best protect their land and their homes from those who might want to encroach on them. He saw those who made formal petitions to see him, people who wanted his assistance on quest, in family disputes, in the myriad of matters that he was, for once, grateful for, something to lose himself in. He was tired. Since the nightmare brought upon him by the Nightmare King while he'd been climbing the mountain with Jack, 
ancient hurts that he thought he put behind him stirred more readily in his sleep, and he found himself unconsciously, then consciously, avoiding rest for as long as possible. He knew the sleep deprivation made him unstable, but the nightmares themselves left him off-kilter, disarmed, vulnerable. He woke up feeling needy, and after thousands of years of waking up from nightmares, alone and needing a level of comfort that he was almost certain didn't exist for someone like him, he couldn't bear willingly accepting sleep as a reality. He pushed it back and back until finally it devoured him and left him insensate on his bed, often for days at a time. Exhausted, but not yet tired enough for sleep to force its way into him, Gwen spent one early evening in his map room, carefully inking out cartographical sketches he'd painstakingly made of a remote, treacherous, otherworldly region that was little traveled. It showed promise as a possible location of lesser-known species of fae, and though the environment was hostile, his king's healing meant that he could withstand blasts of sulfurous heat or shards of obsidian sharp enough to cut through his boots. He inked it out in red and dark brown, noting down locations and losing himself in the painstaking work. He'd shown promise as a cartographer from a very early age, but Leed pushed him into battle, and so Gwen kept it up as a side hobby. His maps were appreciated, duplicated, studied, but even if no one knew they existed, he'd still make them. His hand still at an unexpected knock at the door. He managed not to smear the ink. It was a small knock, and Gwen knew it was one of the troughs that served within the palace. They hardly ever interrupted him. He got up immediately and opened the door. The trow looked up at him, eyes wide, panicked, and Gwen frowned, a stir of worry in his tired mind. What is it? The trows almost never spoke, and even now, terrified, it signed a location instead of speaking any words. Gwen teleported, taking the trows' spindly fingers within his own with a gentle grip. Aside from a habit of stealing the silver, trows were gentle creatures. Something was wrong. He ended up in one of the outer circle rooms, where the court sometimes spilled over into his palace, and there, within a room mostly constructed of moss and tree trunks, with seats of stone and mushrooms, Ephnician stood. He leered over another trow who was clutching at a freshly broken arm, paralyzed with fright. Gwen's mouth went dry. Rage and dread both warred inside of him, but rage won. The trows were defenseless creatures that only wanted to help and assist. What the fuck do you think you're doing in my palace, to my servants? Ethnician straightened, deep blue eyes glittering with a dry amusement. Oh, cousin, I mean, king, it's so hard to get your attention. Gwen knelt before the tro, drew her dazed attention with the gentle hand under her chin, and looked back over at the tro who had summoned him. It had taken a lot of courage for the other tro to do that and Gwen grimaced. "'Can you take her to Pazna?' he asked. "'Tell her it's on the king's orders.' The tro nodded, ears pushed back, eyes still blank with fright. Then she came forwards hurriedly and drew the other tro with a broken arm away. As soon as they were safely out of the room, the sounds of their running footsteps echoed. Ephnician tilted his head toward the sound, an appreciative expression on his face, as though he were listening to a favorite moment in the symphony. Ethnician and Gwen were of an age, obviously related. People who didn't know them, 
especially in the past before they had established themselves assumed they were brothers ethnician was only several years older than gwen hardly an age difference at all amongst the fay where gwen was pale ethnician was golden his hair wasn't white blonde but honeyed curled short around his features gwen's pale skin stood in contrast to the natural tan of ethnician's which he'd inherited from his father's side of the family but he had the classic deep blue eyes the full lips the aquiline nose and though gwen was broader more muscular ethnician was still a trained warrior fit and angular with a natural resource of dreox that oozed from him and covered his sociopathic tendencies gwen on the other hand had to learn how to make dreox had to force it when he wasn't concentrating he possessed no natural fey glamour which put the other fey on edge when the sound of footsteps disappeared ethnician tilted his head back towards gwen offered him a lazy attention i could have you barred from this court gwen said he wanted nothing more than to smash his fist into ethnician's face to run him down with his sword that was a common instinct he had around his cousin and he had to repress it keep things formal could you what would your mother say cousin cousin gwen we both know that she would whisper the favour of the court against you if you did such a thing attacking the trolls you are a monster gwen's teeth gritted together it was becoming harder to stay rational he realized belatedly that he was shaking with rage the trolls were defenceless jealous ethnician said smiling you wanted my attention you've got it cousin you always look so uncomfortable around me when it's just the two of us why is that you healed back then didn't you surely you don't still bear grudges against the way we played as children i was young you can't hold that against me true gwen said voice cold i'm sure your torture methods are far more sophisticated now except of course when they are not breaking an arm to get someone's attention let's be candid you were simply looking for sport is it sport ethnician said i can't help it i'm just a victim to my centre as we all are for me it's nourishment it sustains me speaking of centres do you remember when your centre was triumph you started to understand it then the need and let's be candid to borrow a phrase you know what i'm talking about you love the break and crunch of bone and the splatter of viscera you just need it to be in battle you've always been the weak link in the family you need excuses for what you do i do not gwen glared if it was anyone else who had committed such an atrocity against the troes gwen would have them exiled from the court it was difficult with his family his mother creel had spent far longer in the seely court than he ever had the cliques the power they primarily rested with her ethnician was her star pupil the one she fawned over the most so if he sent ethnician out of his palace run through with the sword or worse exiled him tell me why you're here i'm growing bored uh well there's a seely artifact that i'd like access to you're the only one i can ask on account of you being king and all is that so ethnician 
or perhaps you should have thought about the likelihood of me saying yes after you broke that tro's arm go on then ask me nicely oh no ethnician said with an affected dismay that was so exactly like his mother that gwen started to wonder if it was too late to go hunting it was never too late to go hunting he needed to kill something don't be like that ethnician said grinning or shall I go crying to your mother like some craven tattletale because you won't help me? It's a shame your father isn't still alive. I would simply ask him to make you give it to me. Oh, but he lost control over you, didn't he? Eventually. That's right. When you lived in a forest. Like a beast. I remember now. How are you a part of this family again? and August thought Gwen was more like his father than Ephnician. It jarred at him, especially now. He didn't want this. He didn't want to be like them. He did things he wasn't proud of, things he couldn't think about, but he didn't want to be someone who openly courted the cruelty. Out of the two of them, August and his cousin, August was the preferable monster. August could be prone to cruelty, enjoyed inflicting pain, but the cruelest of his actions had been driven by a need to escape or deny the torment he'd experienced. Ephnician simply grew from pleasure and sport, encouraged by elders who loved to break their toys. It was startling to realize that August, in his cell, was preferable to this. I'd ask you to name the artifact, but my answer is no, Gwen said, and Ephnician's eyes glittered with a frosty anger at being turned down so quickly. I'm one of your citizens. You have to hear me out. Ephnician stepped closer to Gwyn, the precise, cautious steps of a hunter edging up on its prey. Gwyn didn't move, ignored a distant thread of apprehension, nurtured instead the coil of fury that was still suppressed inside of him. Come closer, Ephnician. Get within striking distance, please. The artifact, by the way, is the Grimswold. You shouldn't be the only one who gets to enjoy this sneer and vulnerability, yes? Share it amongst your family, because you love us. As soon as Ethnician was within range, Gwen stepped forwards with speed and smashed his fist into the side of Ethnician's face before his cousins could get out of the way. Gone were the days when Gwen was the younger, weaker teenager, and Ethnician couldn't match him for reflexes or training because Ethnician was prone to bouts of laziness and Gwen kept his skills honed. Ephnician dropped, unable to absorb the blow. The status difference alone meant that Gwen had cracked his skull, had broken his eye socket. Ephnician would heal rapidly, being court status, but the blow was damaging. Go crawling back to Mother like some crab and tattletale, Ephnician. Tell her whatever you wish. You are not getting the Grimswold. It is a sacred artifact, not a toy. If you think a few bruises on your face will turn favor against me, Perhaps you truly underestimate how much I've done for this kingdom. Ephnician staggered upright, laughing, a jovial gleam in his eyes. Violence never bothered him, not violence to himself or violence to others. He pressed fingers into a split over his eyebrow, opened the wound so that the blood streamed like a rivulet of tears along the outside of his face. Damn, Ephnician said, chuckling. Some right hook you've got there, cousin. What a far cry you are from that kid I used to torment back in the day. I miss the old days. 
I suppose you wouldn't. And no Grimswold. Oh, look, there's blood on my suit. Ethnician took off his suit jacket. He took the sleeve and dabbed at the blood on his face until it was mostly gone, and then folded the jacket neatly and draped it over his arm. It was only one trow, Ethnician said, incredulous. They're trash. I suppose when you came into the kingdom, trash would follow. Why are you here? Gwyn said again. The Grimswold couldn't have been it. Ethnician must have known that there was no chance that Gwyn would give it to him. I missed you, Ethnician said, smiling with delight at his own lie. Wanted to see how you've been faring. Mother says you've been unwell lately. I wanted to check in on you, my dear baby cousin. Can't have been easy, vanquishing all that evil, languishing under the praise of an entire kingdom. You see, we can understand perfectly well why you look uneasy during a battle. But it's over now, Gwen. It's over. The mock reassurance in Ethnician's tone gave way to something terrible in his gaze, and Gwen cursed himself for not expecting the attack. Ethnician lunged forward and tripped Gwen up, pushing him to the ground and landing with his knee in Gwen's gut. It's always so physical between us, isn't it? Ethnician said, landing a vicious punch to his ribs. Gwen caught his breath, pushed Ethnician away. Ethnician rolled off easily. Gwen was stronger now, and Ethnician wouldn't seriously fight him. Only wanted to catch him off guard. Only wanted the rabbit thump of fear in Gwen's heart, which he was no doubt attuned to. You look like you could use a break, Ethnician said, standing again. Being king should make you happy, not whatever you are now. We're just concerned for you, your mother and I. Very concerned. Get out, Gwen said, already standing. The pain in his ribs was already fading. I didn't move out of the family estate only to get treated like this in the city court. Ethnician took a deep breath and grinned. I just like tormenting you, he said. That was the truth. It's been a while, Ethnician said. I don't often visit the court. And I just wanted to rile you up a little, cousin. Forgive me, it's not something I can do much about. My center and all that. You know how it goes. Well, you did, anyway. When your center was triumph, you couldn't let go of a single argument without getting the last line in. You were much more entertaining then. I'm afraid your banter is rather dour now. Ethnician mocked a bow at him, and then raised his eyebrows happily. It must have hurt his face, but Ethnician was peculiarly invulnerable to pain. You'll probably be seeing a bit more of me over the next few months. I am, I must say, really, really looking forward to it. See you around, dear cousin. And with that, Ethnician teleported away in a fine wisp of smoke, leaving the faint scent of char behind him. Gwen teleported out of the room, back into his map room. Once there, he took several deep breaths, calming himself. No, why now? Why would Ethnician be interested in spending more time in the Seelie Court, now of all times? He was too tired to figure it out. It became a clotted mess in his mind. He was not like Ethnician. He was not like his father. 
August was wrong. Gwen sat down heavily on the single cot in the room, pressing a hand to his forehead. He couldn't talk to Albion or Undine about these matters. He couldn't talk to anyone about them. He found himself in the precarious position of wanting to see August and no longer wanting to torment him. He couldn't justify that. It turned the whole situation into something he didn't have a word for. They'd once been friends, and he wanted that back. Gwen laughed at himself. The sound was broken. He didn't know how to have friends. It didn't surprise him that he picked the one person who couldn't get away from him, the prisoner, as a possible target. The person he'd been attacking and trying to break down. Gwen laughed until his voice shattered, and he lay back on the bed and stared up at the ceiling, listening to the beat of his heart in his own ears. Gwen knew what insanity looked like, and he knew, deep down, that August had somehow stepped back from the worst of his madness some time ago, during his isolation most likely. August was unlike Gwen's family, who courted it freely, and August was even unlike Gwen, who stumbled into madness and couldn't let it go again. August, unseely and prisoner in the seedy court, was definitely the preferable monster. Two days later, worry tripped Gwen into a profound insomnia, and in the early hours of the morning, after having silently checked in on a sleeping tro whose arm was still healing, he teleported into August's cell. August never seemed to sleep either. He was sitting on the tree-root bench, as he often did, his eyes lidded in that state of semi-meditation that he seemed to enter. "'I did say you'd be back,' August said, voice smooth, soft. Come on, then. Fuck me and get it over with. August sounded bored, and when Gwen didn't respond, he opened his eyes properly and took in Gwen's appearance. You look dreadful, August said. Battle go wrong? Strategy didn't pan out. Come to tell me you're not like your father at all, and how dare I, and etc., before raping me to prove yourself right? August laughed quietly. Gwen realized that August was also tired. There were circles under his eyes. His mouth was drawn. He wondered what the isolation was like for him, how often he thought of his brother, if he worried when Gwen would reappear and what would happen next. "'I want to try something,' Gwen said, and August tilted his head back against the wall and shrugged. "'So try it.' August didn't even move. Gwen stepped towards him, pushing away the myriad of voices in his mind that told him this was beyond reason. This was... This would change everything. He placed his hands around August's upper arms and looked down at him. It was only when Gwen dissolved them both into light, teleporting them out of the cell, that August's eyes flew open. He stiffened in Gwen's hands, but Gwen had a sure grip, and he knew where he was going. When they landed, Gwen let go, took a single step back. He was wary, but confident. They were still in the Seely Court, within the safety of Gwen's palace. August was still a prisoner, still couldn't escape. August froze when he saw the lake. He stared at the water, his pupils expanding rapidly and his hands tensing. His whole body was a thrumming mass of tension. Gwen watched him. He half expected August to make a run for the water, with an expression like that. But he didn't. After several minutes, August tore his eyes away from the lake and stared at Gwen in something like horror. 
Perhaps you might tell me now what you want in exchange for that. His voice was raw, and his eyes slid back to the lake again. His hands clenched into fists. Gwen watched August, and then looked around the room itself. When he'd first altered the Oak King's palace, he'd been determined to make it fit his tastes. He'd wanted a sense of the forest within his living areas. And while his innermost circles of rooms were more like conventional bedrooms and living spaces, the outer circles were constructed of trees and moss and rock. The lake itself was enclosed within a space of trees in a smooth violet granite. The sky couldn't be seen overhead. The canopy wove itself too thickly, giving privacy to him when he came here. The lake itself was deep, fringed with water lilies and lotuses not now in bloom, with natural benches jutting out within the lake itself and a gently sloping bank on one side, covered in moss and liverwort. It was an inviting space, a private one. August laughed to himself, under his breath. He was staring at the lake once more. I understand. You saw how I reacted with the water before, and now... What? You know, this is all extraordinarily tedious. Why don't you just tell me your game? What do you want? Gwen wanted to have answers for August's questions, but he didn't. He knew he was doing the wrong thing. He didn't care. He was tired. And August, ironically, was treating him with civility, despite what had passed between them. He might be full of bile and venom for Gwen, ready with insults, but as far as Gwen could tell, all of the insults had been accurate. "'I want you to get in the lake with me,' Gwen said, pulling his own shirt off his head with a simple, one-handed movement. He dropped it to the floor, and then undid his pants, sliding them down and stepping out of them. Being naked around others didn't bother him. "'Tell me what you want,' August bit out, and Gwen saw a faint flicker of anger drift across his features, his eyes narrowed. "'I just told you what I wanted.' Gwen knew that August was likely playing a long game, that the civility was possibly a front, though August had always been civil and courteous, even at his worst. But he would prefer that over whatever was happening in the cliques of his seedy court. Gwen could do this, put August back in his cell afterwards, and who knows? Maybe August would be more well-disposed to him in the future. Doubtful. August was staring at Gwen as though he'd grown a second head, and then he stared at the surface of the lake again. His nostrils flared, and Gwen reached forward and grasped his wrist, dragging him towards it. August followed, hypnotized by the water. Gwen stepped down the bank first, leading him, and he could feel the tension in August's arm, as though he didn't quite know whether to bolt or whether to run into the lake. No shifting, Gwen said, and August exhaled audibly. I'm not strong enough to shift, he said. Do not, at any point, put your head beneath the surface of the water, and disappear down into the depths. Gwen's feet entered the water and continued down the slope. Why are you doing this? August asked, a note of genuine confusion in his voice. Gwen crouched down where the slope fell away and slid easily into the water. He tugged at August, who was standing with his toes just beyond the water itself. Knowing you, August said, this is just about fucking me. I swear, Gwen, you and that cock of yours. But August sounded uncertain, and Gwen realized that initially that had been the purpose of this, but now... The water was cool. His back found the wall of the lake itself, 
and he pressed himself to it, tugged on August's wrist again. August hesitated for a few seconds longer and then came to a decision. He stepped into the water smoothly, with the confidence born of thousands of years of entering and exiting fresh water. His feet didn't make a sound as he entered, and ripples moved away from him silently. But August made a sound. He gasped as the water touched him, and then hissed out a sound of frustration. "'You're unusually sensitive for a water horse, aren't you?' Gwen said, looking up at him. But August was staring at the water with an avid hunger. Gwen's eyes flew open. He braced himself and pulled August back, just as August attempted to launch himself headfirst into the water. The result was an ungainly splash. Gwen pulled August towards himself. August was gasping for breath, struggling against Gwen. Claws came up and scratched at the forearm holding his wrist, rending furrows that bled immediately. His irises were almost black, his pupils blown out. The struggle was intense, but uncoordinated. August was overwhelmed by the water, and Gwen wrestled him back to the bench, forcing him onto it, so that he was still in the lake itself, but his head and shoulders were above the water. August had clawed several more furrows into Gwen's skin, but it seemed more about trying to follow his water-horse instincts than it was about truly doing any damage. August blinked when his back hit the wall, and he stared at Gwen as though remembering he was there. His breathing was labored. His arm went lax in Gwen's grip, but Gwen refused to let go. At this point, he wasn't sure if August would simply slide into the deep without the restraint. Yes, doing this while you're sleep-deprived and August is desperate for water. Excellent idea. His inner voice was scathing, and sounded a lot like his family. He shoved that away, too. August closed his eyes. His lips were tense, his forehead furrowed. He was pressing himself back into the wall of the lake, and if Gwen didn't know any better, he'd guessed that August was loathing the entire experience. But Gwen did know better, could tell the sensory overload for what it was. "'Are you done?' Gwen said, and August shook his head. "'The instinct to submerge is strong,' August said. "'I need a minute.' August was shivering. A minute passed, another and then suddenly August moved rapidly in the water. He straddled Gwen's thighs, so that his own knees were resting on the underwater bench, either side of Gwen. He placed his free hand on Gwen's chest, over his heart. He undulated his hips forwards, and he was hard, a hot line of temperature against Gwen's abdomen. "'This is what you wanted, isn't it?' August said, voice unsteady. Gwen stared up at him, surprised. August slid his hand down, and Gwen realized that he was going to wrap fingers around him. He reached out to stop him, but it was too late. He wasn't hard. He was still trying to understand his own motives, let alone what August was doing. I thought... August looked confused again when Gwen placed a warning hand on August's second wrist, where it wrapped around him. What are you doing? August said, and his hand squeezed at Gwen threateningly, painfully. Stop! Gwen growled at him digging his fingers into August's wrist until August let go of him. "'What do you want for this? You can't just be fucking me. You can have that for free.' Gwen kept his other hand on August's wrist, a tight grip, as he turned August around in the water so that his back was to Gwen's chest. He looped his arm around his hips and pulled him down, so that August was seated on top of him, head coming up a little past his own. Gwen splayed his hand over August's belly, stroked at his skin. You don't want me to die to waste away in that cell, August said. 
A glass of water is one thing, but this... August leaned back, slowly, at Gwen's encouragement. August rested his weight against him, not as water-light as Gwen expected, but Gwen had temporarily forgotten that August could change his buoyancy at will. Gwen kept stroking August's torso. I wondered why you didn't just kill me. You were well within your rights. It was, technically, a battlefield. You had your sword. I expected to die. Gwen's eyes widened. He hadn't thought of it that way. He hadn't realized that August, when he surrendered his kingship, expected death. It must have been a surprise for him to wake up in the Seely dungeon weeks later. August was being surprisingly honest. He sounded disarmed. He wondered if the exposure to so much water at once made it harder for him to keep his guard up. Gwen trailed a hand up to August's nipple and smoothed fingers across it, and August twitched. This is crude even for you, August said. You can't make me dependent on you by doing this, you understand. I am not suddenly going to give over my loyalty to you. Will you just shut up for once and enjoy the water? Gwen said, and August snarled. What are you doing? Gwen's hand stopped moving, rested over August's chest, felt his water horse slow heartbeat. It was still faster than normal. August was stressed, possibly frightened. Do you think that you can use these crude techniques on me and expect them to work? August said, venom starting to crawl into his voice. His free hand dropped down and raked scratches into the outside of Gwen's thigh, and Gwen exhaled between his teeth. The wounds would heal within the hour, but they were vindictive and deep. Do you think that you can give me something like this and I will come to heal? August, Gwen said, frowning. I'm not entirely sure that leaving a gag on you for three hundred years would bring you to heal. Not for more than a few hours, anyway. August stilled at that, and then his fingers that were now digging threatening holes into Gwen's knee lifted, as though he was satisfied with what he'd heard. August twisted in his lap, tugging hard and rapidly at his wrist until Gwen let go. August turned and straddled him again. Gwen took hold of his wrist once more, and noted with some surprise that even though August was obviously stressed, he was still aroused. His hair already looked more lustrous than before. It dripped rapidly as a result of exposure to the water. Sometimes it struck Gwen how handsome August was, even like this, wasted and with less power than he'd possibly ever had. The Raven Prince had first invited August into his court simply to have his beauty nearby and gaze upon it, and flushed from his exposure to the water, hard beneath the surface, straddling Gwen like this, it struck him again how beautiful he could be. You wanted to see how I'd react to so much water, August said, his voice oddly empty of feeling. Don't leave me hanging. Touch me. August's gaze slipped past Gwen's when Gwen wrapped his fingers around August's cock, and when he started moving over him, the friction more noticeable than usual because of the water between them, August didn't seem to care at first. It was only when Gwen's thumb caught roughly at the underside of his flesh that August stiffened and then inhaled sharply. He braced himself on Gwen's shoulder, dug his fingers into his skin. Blood swirled in the water around them. Gwen's thigh was still bleeding freely. August's reactions to Gwen were muted. His breathing was mostly forced to evenness, except for a shaky breath here and there, a hitched moment. His head bowed forwards, and hair hid his expression, though his fingers gripped tighter as Gwen continued to move his hand against him. 
Minutes passed, and August's hips started to roll in the water, creating slow ripples. Droplets fell from his hair into the surface, splashing lightly. Strands of it had caught against Gwen's skin. He tilted his head towards Gwen, and Gwen noticed his eyes were closed, lashes a black smudge against his face. His mouth was open slightly, his forehead creased. Gwen tightened his grip, and August's jaw dropped on a silent gasp, his cock twitched in Gwen's palm. Gwen resisted the urge to ask if it was okay. Because it was obvious that it was, and because he was aware that the lack of sleep, the insomnia, left him scattered. Questions like, is this okay, were likely not allowed. Seeing if Nissian break that Tro's arm, knowing that he didn't want to be like his family, it left him aware that he didn't really want to hurt August at all. He was fey, and they were often a cruel species. Truly malevolent and benevolent fey were far rarer than the ones who simply did what they wanted within certain parameters. August was not truly malevolent, and locking him up in a prison for doing what perhaps many fey might try and do in similar circumstances seemed like a human response to a non-human crime. Certainly he needed to be locked up for the safety of the fey, but it also seemed hypocritical. Gwen had killed enough fey himself. He knew cruelty well. Perhaps it was only circumstance or unusual good fortune that had kept him out of a prison. Although the kingship was enough of a prison, something he couldn't escape for at least another century and a half. "'You think you're clever,' August whispered, his eyes remaining closed, his hips bucking up harder into Gwen's hand. "'But you're not clever.' "'I don't feel particularly clever right now, August,' Gwen thought. If anything, he felt like a new class of stupid." He still liked August, perhaps had never stopped liking him. He knew that he'd formed some kind of attachment when he'd asked August to break him, when he'd visited August's home that first time, and he knew that attachment had grown during the wild hunt, even though it had been a professional relationship between Celie and Unseelie Fay, and it was never more than the excitement of the hunt and the chatting and ale afterwards. The madness inside of him, the cruelty, wanted him to break August to turn him into a cowering, silent, ruined wreck. But the rest of him, the parts that didn't want to be cruel, that wanted to be nothing like his family, they wanted something different, and they were a lot louder now that August was present in his own seedy court, now that he was so tired he couldn't concentrate. Did you think that? August opened his eyes and then stopped speaking immediately, eyes widening at whatever he saw on Gwen's face. His hips faltered in their rhythm but Gwen's hand encouraged him back into those rocking motions once more. August stared at him in shock, and Gwen didn't know what he was seeing, didn't know what was broadcasted on his face. He didn't even know what he was feeling anymore. He'd spent too long without sleep, and before that, too long again. He remembered, vaguely, August breathlessly saying that he wasn't at his best right now. Neither was Gwen. What? What is it? Gwen said and August's lips thinned. "'Nothing!' he spat, sounding disgusted. Claw-tips dug into Gwen's shoulder, threatening to draw blood, leaving pinpricks of sensation there. Gwen rubbed the edge of his thumb over the head of August's cock with every stroke now, knowing he enjoyed it. August started trembling, despite the fact that his breathing was still mostly forced to evenness. Hardly anything changed when August's trembling suddenly shifted into the repressed spasms of his release. His claws dug a bit deeper, his thighs tensed on either side of Gwen's, but otherwise his breathing remained mostly steady, 
His eyes were closed again. But Gwen could feel it in his palm, the spasms that made their way through August's cock, even the feel of his release moving through his body. When he was done, his head sagged forward a little bit more, and then suddenly the hand at Gwen's shoulder moved down quickly into the water and wrapped around Gwen's cock. August set a fast, rapid pace that was intense, almost painful, and Gwen stiffened. August's eyes were open. He stared at Gwen, was staring past him again. Gwen moved his hand to August's other wrist to stop him, but August chose that moment to speed up, and Gwen choked back a noise. His hand fell away, distracted. The water made the friction raw, inescapable. His skin caught on August's palm, and the small flares of pain just added to what was happening. And he'd been close anyway, didn't exactly have a wealth of self-control, being so exhausted. Wait, Gwen said, and August shook his head, but still didn't make eye contact, was still oddly unfocused. Wait, Gwen demanded, and managed to close his hand around August's wrist to pull him away. August squeezed his cock too tightly, and more pain wove in with the pleasure of it. Gwen realized he was going to come. Flares of light sparked beneath his skin, and then detonated underneath his pores. He came with a hoarse gasp, his body arching upwards, his neck stretching taut. He had both of his hands around August's wrists, but August stroked him through it, ignoring Gwen's grip and continuing to move his hand. "'I don't know why you require this of me,' August muttered under his breath when you have the shadows to do as you please. Gwen's brow creased together at the words, and then his eyes flew open. No. He snapped upright, concerned, just as August let go of him. August was staring at him now, his face devoid of expression. The, August said. August, Gwen said, and August smiled at him, a pretty, beguiling expression. In one smooth movement, he yanked his hand out of Gwen's wrist and then thrust it towards his abdomen. Gwen expected a punch, expected a blow, did not expect claws to slice through his skin and then choked. August's fingers were inside him up to the last knuckle, buried amongst his organs. A whirl of pain, which quickly expanded throughout his gut up into his lungs, through his limbs. He gasped, wretched, and stared at August in shock. You should have expected this. He choked again when August shifted his fingers, menacing, and looked down between them at the place where blood was blossoming from the wound. Gwen was king, he wouldn't die from it, but it was damaging. It would take time to heal. If you keep making me stronger, Gwen, there's going to be consequences. If you're going to torture me, torture me. I tire of waiting for you to choose between cruelty or kindness. Gwen was still stunned, couldn't think of anything to say. August's fingers shifted inside of him, and Gwen cried out, and then reached down quickly, pulled August's fingers free. August didn't resist him at all. A smirk played on the edges of his mouth. Blood bloomed up thick and hot in the water. Gwen teleported them out immediately, didn't even stop for his clothing. He dropped August, wet and a wild gaze in his eyes, back in his cell, and teleported out again. He ended up in one of his many rooms, dripping blood rapidly onto floorboards. The pain was worse now that he'd teleported twice, and he sank to his knees, clutching his hand over the wound. Four stab wounds in his gut, from August's fingers. The strength it must have taken to do that. He felt, of all things, betrayed. Quinn started to laugh. August owed him nothing. He had no right to feel betrayed, not after what they'd both done. And yet, as he continued to laugh, each motion causing pain to rock through him, 
he realized with a scathing self-hatred that he felt betrayed a wave of despair followed his laughter rocked into him with a force that dwarfed even the pain in his abdomen gwen's head sunk down to the floorboards he dripped water and blood even his thigh was still bleeding he felt used up spent a deep lurking grittiness reared its head and crept closer licking at his thoughts asking for a way into his mind and gwen opened himself to it falling over onto his side and drawing his knees up to his chest he thought with a burst of derisive laughter that he might even be able to sleep now he felt like he was falling his own court was polluted by his family august was untrustworthy and he'd known that cruelty beckoned him closer a madness that had been waiting for months wrapped careful cautious tendrils around his thoughts and twisted them to the dark he could hurt august he could hurt august a lot august had no idea what he was really capable of if august wanted gwen to choose gwen could choose gwen had a lifetime of knowing what he was supposed to choose what his family wanted him to choose he moaned softly despair and pain twisting up his voice he didn't want it he didn't want anything to do with it but what was the point in fighting it without it he became too trusting no one would expect it of him but it was the truth outside of strategy outside of the battlefield he was still so naive without the cruelty he couldn't play the game of captor perhaps then cruelty was the only thing that would keep him afloat in all of this the family curse had kept his relatives alive for a long long time after all gwen's eyes fluttered shut and a sickening darkness cast a cape over his mind